Good morning, everyone. It's me, Pastor Rob. I'm currently in Maine uh, preaching for Pastor Ken Graves. But I wanted to share with you about our guest speaker this morning. As you know, last week I announced that Pastor Brett and Susie uh, were being called to the Lord to go to Calvary Chapel Santa Barbara to help them up there. And um, we decided that we wanted Pastor Brett to give a farewell sermon to all of us. I don't want it to be a farewell sermon. I want it to be a I'll see you later sermon and I'll be back in a couple years sermon. But this whole farewell sermon, I'm not, I'm not for that. Pastor Brett, I have come to deeply love you and appreciate you and Susie. This whole congregation has been richly blessed by your ministries. And I got to tell you, saying goodbye is not something I want to do. So I'm going to say see you later. But I want to add this one last thing. You've been so instrumental in this ministry, and I can honestly say I wouldn't be the pastor doing what I'm doing had it not been for what you did. I am so grateful to you and to Susie and the blessing you've been to all of us. I love you and I'm going to miss you. Uh, And I, I can't be there to celebrate tonight. We're having a big taco bar, all this stuff to say thank you to you. And I don't even get to enjoy it, but don't, don't worry about me. I'm going to be eating my my weight in lobster. I wanted to tell you, let's welcome our special guest speaker, Pastor Brett Schellebarger. I love that man. Now listen to him. God bless you all. See you soon. So much fun doing ministry with Pastor Rob, and um, I'm going to miss him dearly. Uh, You guys get to continue with him, have fun, enjoy, take advantage of his uh, humor, his love for Jesus, and his love for this community. And so um, it's a privilege. Um, It is not goodbye. It's see you later, right? Yeah, we're going to see you guys later. We're all part of the kingdom. Um, We're going to talk about the purpose of and passion of ministry. Purpose and passion. We're going to open up, if you can open up your Bibles to Ephesians 4, and if the ushers want to bring Bibles out, we're going to tackle this message. Uh, part of today will be kind of a family meeting. Uh, part of it will be a sermon. But um, we're talking to the family of God this morning. If you're new here, this is your first time here, we apologize in advance uh, of all this craziness, but... Um, it's good what Jesus wants to share this morning about what's happening. We see that reaching forward campaign. Are you guys excited about that? Are you excited about the new building? You should be. That's exciting. But I I agree with what Micah said. That building um, is, that's just a, a tool in your hand to really reach because you guys, God's people says, you guys are the building that is going to reach and touch the lives of many. So keep that in mind, that, that your purpose and your passion should be towards what God's purpose and passion is, and that is reaching souls for heaven, because that is the only thing you can take into heaven, our souls. And so um, I think this whole push to reaching forward is going to be a good thing. Today, what we're going to do is we're going to commission you as ministers of the gospel because the Bible tells us in Ephesians, and and Pastor John mentioned it, that we are called to do the work of the ministry. And that is our calling to equip and to edify 
uh, the body of Christ. So we're going to do that today. I want to share um, a video with you. Um, who knows Pastor Francis Chan? Anyone? Yeah? A lot of people. Okay, good. Uh, hopefully he's going to pump you up, get you ready, put some perspective. Um, let's take a look at this video. Let's just imagine this thing goes on forever. Now imagine that this rope is a timeline of your existence. You just exist forever. You see this red part? This would represent your time on earth. You've got a few short years here on earth, and then you've got all of eternity somewhere else. This is, this is your existence. And what blows me away is some of you, all you think about is this red part. It's all you think about. You're consumed with this. You go, oh man, I can't wait till here. You know, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to save, save, save so I can really enjoy this part right here. <laughs> and you're consumed with that. And you're thinking, oh man, am I going to get to travel? Am I going to eat well? Am I going to do this during this part? And I'm like, are you kidding me? What about this? What about this? What about that? What about all this stuff? It's just, it's crazy to me because the Bible teaches that what I do during this little red part determines how I'm going to exist for millions and millions and millions of years forever. And, and so why would I spend this little red part trying to make myself as comfortable as possible, enjoying myself as much as I can, Paul says, look, I'm going to live my life for this mission. I'm going to spend my life, invest my life for this moment when I cross that finish line. See, I'm going to forget about all the stuff I could enjoy. And I'm not going to look around. I'm going to be like a runner just looking at that moment when I face God. Because when I face him, then I don't get this chance over again. We get one chance at this life on earth. And it can end at any second for any of us. We've got one chance at this. And then comes eternity. And I'm not going to be fooled. I'm not going to spend my life down here. See, people look at some of my decisions and go, oh, you're so stupid because that's going to really affect this. I go, no, you're stupid because it's going to affect all of this. Man, I, I, I'm serious. I, I look. I look at the way people live and I go, wow, that is so crazy. You are so crazy. You're going you're gonna to do that right now. Just enjoy right now. Not even knowing if you have tomorrow and you think that's smart and that I'm dumb it doesn't make any sense Paul goes I'm not going to look around at all this stuff and it's tempting it's tempting to all of us that's what I'm saying down here it's crazy because everyone lives that way everyone lives for the red part no one's thinking about the millions of years afterwards it's it's just this crazy deception that we can't get out of our minds and Paul goes I'm not doing that he goes, I keep my eyes on that. I keep my eyes on that finish line. And I'm going to forget what's behind me. I'm not looking around. I'm just going to, I'm straining. He goes, I'm straining forward. I'm like stretching forward for that mark. I'm going to pass this thing. I'm going to live this out. And I'm going to face him. I'm going to come before the judges. And he's going to hand me that trophy. He goes, I'm going to get it. And I haven't gotten there yet. He goes, but I, you better believe I'm using every muscle, exerting every bit about me. Because I'm going to pass that line well. Well, it makes you think, right? Thought-provoking. And I was looking at that, and I'm, I'm like, well, how do you make that last? Will that last? You know, it's like you, you see that perspective of our, of our time, 
But when we leave the door, will, it, will that we lose perspective? Hopefully not. I, I, I was reading this story, and I, I, I thought, I'm going to share this. It's just this cute story, um, an illustration. Um, it says right here, one Wednesday evening at the church meeting, a very wealthy man rose to give his testimony. It says, I'm a millionaire, he said, and I attribute it all to the rich blessings of God in my life. I can still remember the turning point in my faith. It was like yesterday, and here's what he has to say. I had just earned my first dollar, and I went to a church meeting that night. The speaker was a missionary who told about his work. I knew that I only had a dollar bill and had to either give it all to God's work or nothing at all. So at that moment, I decided to give my whole dollar to God. I believe that God blessed that decision, and that is why I am a rich man today. As he finished, it was clear that everyone had been moved by this man's story. But as he took his seat, a little old lady sitting in the same pew leaned over and said, wonderful story. I dare you to do it again. <laughs> right? Call, call the commitment. It's a call the commitment. I love the, the, the church ladies. Just knows how to humble you, right? Thank you for our church ladies. But yeah, I mean, this is what uh, Pastor Francis Chan was saying is that, hey, where, what do we live for? What is your purpose? What is your passion? You know, it should be for Jesus. And as you guys, as we are going to learn today as ministers, all of you are called as ministers. And, and, you, and within your ministry, you need to find out what is God calling me to do? What is my purpose? And am I passionate about it? Okay, and so we're going to discover that. So we're going to open up the Word of God. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. Open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Book of Ephesians, two parts. One is doctrine, one is practical. We're going to be in the practical part today. Chapters 1 through 3. If you get a chance, please read this book. It talks about the wealth, uh, what it means to be in Christ and share in his identity and the riches of his grace, answering the questions of who are we in light of who God is. So that is chapters one through three, and it sets up what we're going to read today, chapter four. What is our walk? Knowing that God has called us into ministry, that God has fueled us for ministry, that he's filled us with his Holy Spirit, what does that walk look like? And anytime we're called by God, there's always going to be warfare. So chapters uh, five and six talk about warfare as well. So as we, um, and the one thing about warfare, uh, Paul says in Ephesians six, he says, stand therefore. And so we're going to stand and read God's word together. How's that? Ephesians chapter four, it says, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling which you were called with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, 
one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. Verse 7, but to each of you, one of us, excuse me, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, he who has ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended. What does it mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. And here's where we're going to camp today. Verse 11. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. You can have a seat. Let's pray. Lord, thank you uh, for your word that shares truth into our lives. Lord, I pray today for... um, the hearing of your word, and Lord, I pray that uh, for the preaching of your word, Lord, that I would put forth your words and not my own, God, that the preaching of your word would cause uh, your people to come alive to it, that they would see that their calling is sure, and that, Lord, you're guiding that calling, that you're calling them to um, just a deeper walk with you. And so, Lord, I pray we would all learn today uh, what you would have us to do um, here uh, at Godspeed Calvary Chapel specifically and to the larger body of Christ. And Lord, as we come together, as we bond, as we begin to unify, uh, Lord, show us uh, our part in all this. We pray, and we pray this by the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So um, I love this passage, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. By grace, we are saved and commissioned. That is what this passage is all about. Because what happens is that we're here at church, right? We're sitting here and we go, what's our purpose? What's our passion? What are we doing? And when we first get saved, we go, then what, right? And I think this is a, um, I love this passage because it tells a little bit of a story here. So it says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. So we know that God has given us this wonderful gift of faith and salvation. And then it says, not of works, lest anyone should boast, meaning that we can't take ownership of that grace or that salvation moment. Um, But verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared before him that we should walk in them. That word workmanship is a beautiful word. It's in the Greek, it's poema. Poema means masterpiece. Um, But it's also where we get the word poem. And so you are God's poem. You are his poem. And I think when we look at that, it puts things into perspective is that when we're going out to the grocery store, when we're going out to the movies, wherever you're going as a Christian to work, to a play date with a friend, whatever, that you're God's poem, that people are reading you 
and understanding what your life is all about. But I love this, that God prepared that work beforehand, that you would walk in it. And that sets us up for kind of our mission here. Number one, we're going to look over three things today. Number one, we are his ministers with purpose and passion to promote love, unity, and peace towards one another. So let's look at those first um, eight verses, seven to eight verses Paul says, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord. I love that Paul has some passion here in verse one that he says, I'm a prisoner. I'm locked in with you, Lord. I'm not going anywhere. He says, I'm, I'm for you. I'm going to, as we know, Paul suffered for the sake of Christ. Um, he suffered for the gospel that sets men free. He knew that. He says, I beseech you, church of Ephesus, I beg you, I implore you to walk worthy of the calling, to actually live out that calling, which you were called. And as we saw in Ephesians uh, 2, that we received. We received a calling when we were saved. When we got that salvation from Christ, he called us into that calling. And then verse two, it says, with all lowliness, here's how we do it. How do we do, walk out that calling? With all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering. I love what Jesus said in Matthew um, eleven twenty. 20 says, come to me, all you who labor are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. Did you know that is the first time that Jesus even reveals something about his character? In all of scripture, we see that here, that he is lowly and gentle. And that, is, and that should be the mark of us as believers. We should have that lowliness, that gentle with long-suffering. Um, I need to be long-suffering. Um, I'm married. I have kids. I have, right? <laughs> We, there, there has to be a level of long-suffering that one endures. It says, even this, it's true, right? Bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Um, our family is in transition. We're moving uh, our home from Newberry Park. We moved out of our home last week, and we've been the whole week in a hotel, right? So... Um, you need this. You need to be buried with one another in love. All four of us crammed into this hotel and having to live in that space is challenging with all the diverse personalities, right? And it's amazing. Um, but I will have to say that my family, I'm so proud of them. We did, we've been doing pretty good, pretty good. No one had to go sleep on the couch in the lobby. So that's a win for the Shellabargers. Yeah. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace as believers, as ministers of Jesus, we as a body need to keep that unity in the spirit of bond of peace. Notice Paul doesn't say create unity. He says, keep it because God has already created unity. That is, that's his part. Our part as um, kids of God is to maintain unity. Um, you know, married, married couples, you guys know that, right? That, that maintaining that unity 
happy wife, husbands, happy life, right? That is, that is what you need to follow. Um, the thing that God cannot stand that he will not have in his church is disunity. Um, how many of you heard of the rebellion of Korah in the book of Numbers, right? Scary thought. So this guy Korah thought he could take over Moses' position and usurp his authority and um, challenged Moses and Aaron. And God decided, well, that's not going to happen. And the earth swallowed up Korah and his family and that whole tribe because of that rebellion. God takes rebellion and disunity seriously. Romans 16, 17 says, Now I urge you, brethren, that's all of us, right? Note those who cause divisions and offenses, contrary to the doctrine which you learned, and avoid them. You have nothing to do with those people. Um, Often I, I find that the pastoral staff is having to do this church discipline. And I believe that that can happen, that can stop here at the ministerial level. That you guys, if you see somebody causing division, go, hey, that is a serious offense to God's church. And you talk to that brother. You try to restore that brother or sister into unity. But when there, there's disunity, God has given us instruction. Um, these three, love, unity, and peace, is what fuels the church of God for ministry. This is only carried out by understanding this main doctrine. And here's the main doctrine. Look at verses 4, 5, and 6. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called into one hope of your calling, and one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. This is a reminder. This is a foundation of faith for unity. God does not see denominations. He does not see denominationalism, you know. But what he does is he sees division and he sees disunity. And it's sad today in today's church with divisions and different doctrines of of churches is that it's just not what God called us to do. It's not what he called us to be. He said this in John 17. Um, I was doing, I, I, I spent a short little period in Calvary Chapel, Malibu, um, stepping as the interim pastor. And we did this study um, on Jesus's earthly prayer, uh, priestly prayer. It was in John 17. And he said this in John 17, 20, he said, that they all may be one as you, Father, and are in me and I in you that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. Jesus was saying that as the church has become one, um, they, he sees unity. When the world sees disunity in his body, what does that do to the unbeliever and non-believer? They just, they, there's no trust in the church. There's no, there, you, you can't really. And so I think, I believe that we're called to create that unity. God gave me this vision. It was so cool um, during the during that time because I was meeting with different pastors in Malibu and just it was, it was just a wonderful time. 
and just getting to know these guys. And they're all different. Everyone has their like quirky thing, right? It's like a family. It's like the bar scene from, uh, the bar scene from Star Wars, right? Everyone's kind of different and weird. But I thought of a fish tank. Like you see our fish tank in there. And there's all these different colorful fish. And I really see the body of Christ like that. We're all kind of unique, different. We, some are brighter than others. Some are, you know, uh, more aggressive. And some are a little calm, more calm. There's one fish in there I can't understand. It's a box fish. Do you guys, I, I can still today don't understand that fish. But it's a cool fish, right? I like it. Yeah. I think it's got a name. The staff named it something, but boxer maybe. I don't know. It's a cool fish, but we are, we're like, you know, we're like fish in this big fish tank. And um, Troy, Troy's so funny. Um, I don't know if you guys know Troy Friedman. He comes up to me second service. He's all, Brett, you forgot to mention about the bottom feeders that eat the scum. (laughs) You know, like those guys. I said, oh, Troy, I don't want to go there, but (laughs) he did. So I thought I'd share that. Um, anyways, yeah, peace, unity, love, that, those are foundational uh, for us to minister, especially uh, for our mission here in the um, Conejo Valley. Number two, we are ministers with purpose and passion, having received spiritual gifts of grace from Jesus. Did you know that all of us have been given gifts? When you signed up and said, yeah, Jesus, I'm going to follow you, He gave us gifts. Let's read um, verses 7 through 10. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. I feel like Pastor Rob got a little bit more than all of us, right? I just feel that way. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive. We'll cover that. And gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended. What does it mean that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? We'll cover that, Malia, because you had a lot of questions on that. Um, he who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Now let's look at verse seven. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Um, Romans 12 is really cool. It, it kind of lists the gifts. Also, if you go to 1 Corinthians 12, it gives um, a lot more gifts. But I'm going to cover just Romans 12. We only have time for this. So uh, Romans 12 talks about this gift of giving. This is a very generous church. You are a very generous church. And um, the giving here is off the charts for the size of our church. Prophecy, that is a gift. Governing or ruling or administration, that is a gift. The gift of helps. The gift of teaching and preaching is a gift. It says each person acts and responds in different ways according to their gifting. I'll give you an example. Did everyone know that on August 10th, it was Pastor Rob's birthday? Did you guys send him a text? Love on him? I I loved on that brother. Sent him a little text, birthday text. Okay, so I'm going to set up this scenario. Okay, so next week, let's say next week, we say, okay, we're going to do a surprise birthday cake for Pastor Rob. He'll be up here preaching, and we're going to have Danny McCoy. Um, actually, maybe it's Mikey McCoy, because he's here today, so I'm going to pick on Mikey. Okay, so Mikey McCoy. 
So here, Mikey McCoy is coming down. He's the one that's going to carry the cake in, right? The surprise birthday cake. He's going to come down through that, that aisle right there. And what's going to happen is that somebody inevitably is going to stretch and yawn and knock Mikey to his feet, right? So what happens to the cake? The cake goes flying in the air and splatters over everybody, right? So we have a huge mess on our hands. Mikey is uh, feeling bad and bummed. And, um, and so what's going to happen? We're going to see all the different gifts uh, mobilized through this scenario. And here's what it's going to kind of look like. We're going to have, so we, we look at the brother or sister who has the gift of prophecy. And they're going to exhort Mikey and say, Mikey, thus says the Lord. <laughs> Slow down, son. He'll say, take heed of how you walketh, right? He'll say something like that. Then he'll say, repent <laughs> from running. Mikey wasn't running, he was walking. But that's what the, that gift of prophecy does. It, it exhorts that person. And then you might have the guy uh, that has, or the woman that has the gift of mercy, you know, that has that compassion and is going to call her. They're going to go up to Mikey and Give Mikey a big hug. Oh, Mikey, are you okay? Is everything all right? Did you get hurt? And, and, you know, maybe like tend to his wounds and that type of thing. So that's the gift of mercy. Some of you have that wonderful gift of mercy. Um, some of you in that governing role, that administrative role, is go, hey, we need to fix that aisle. We need to make it wider. We need to put, you know, maybe grip tape on the aisles. Um, maybe we need to handcuff people so they're not doing that. I don't know. So he's going to come up with ideas on how to administrate and how to govern that situation. I love those brothers. I think I'm one of those brothers. Um, how can we redesign it? How can we do that? Uh, the gift of helps, you know, the gift of help. What do they do? What are they going to do? They're going to be the cleanup crew, right? They're going to come in with mops and, they're going to come and go, Doug, you got cake on your face, and they're going to try to take the cake off. You're right? They're those guys and gals, and we love those people, the gifts of help. I was back there um, getting ready, and somebody spilled coffee in the sound booth, and I'm like, I'm you know, wiping up the counter. I'm like, oh, I got the gift of helps. I'm doing it. <laughs> doing this. Preach it. Right? Maybe those that have the gift of giving you know, are going to come and go, okay, we're going to buy Rob a new birthday cake and let's take care of uh, John and Patty over here. We're going to get them new garments to wear because cake got all, you know, so that person with a gift of giving is going to step in and say, hey, maybe we need to, you know, invest in a new uh, aisle or, you know, new chairs or whatever. So that, that brother or sister is going to take care of that. And then there's the guy with the gift of teaching. He's going to go, Mikey, here's how you need to walk with that cake. He's going to tell him about balance and describe every nuance. And here's how you walk and here's how you step. And, and in the Greek, you hold it this way. And he'll explain <laughs> to Mikey all the different ways that he needs to be carrying the cake. But we love, we love these gifts because... Um, it all makes us unified, but at the same time, we bump into each other, right, with those gifts. So the person that has mercy and the person that might be a little more exhortive, gift of prophet, they might butt heads a little bit, 
right? And that happens in the body of Christ. And here's what happens too with giftings is that we all think that our gift is the most special gift, right? So we go into a situation, we go, oh, they need my gift. <laughs> and and we, we tend to bump heads with, you know, because uh, you've emphasized that gift. But God, and that is why we're called to peace. That's why we're called to unity. That's why we're called to endeavor so that we can keep all those gifts in line so that we don't bump heads. Yesterday, we moved. We moved um, our stuff um, from a storage unit, because we're staying in a hotel, to our new um, townhome in Carpinteria. So we were living in Carpinteria. And uh, we had some of the guys of the church chipped in. They came and helped. And, and I love Ken Hasegawa. If you guys don't know Ken Hasegawa, he's one of our elders. The guy is amazing. He came in with his gift, and he has the gift of administration or government. And he just got us all, like, going in line. And, and you know, some of us were just like, okay, Ken, where, do, where does this box go? And, you know, and, like, you know, that was the gift of helps. But it was kind of neat to see those gifts playing out. And I and I love I love um, watching and being partaking in that. So let's look at verse eight. Verse eight says, "Therefore he, therefore he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive, and gave gifts to men." So what does that mean that he ascended on high? So in Acts uh, chapter one, we know that Jesus ascended into heaven. He and he left us with instruction. Hey, go preach to all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Lord, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, and and he, so he calls us to discipleship. And so he's not going to just blast off to heaven and leave us as orphans, he says. He says that in John. But he's going to give the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we see the gift of the Holy Spirit coming and giving gifts to men. And then he says, and what does this mean? He led captivity captive. Now, he gives a little clue in Luke, eight, uh, Luke chapter 4, verse 18. And Jesus is preaching this out of the book of Isaiah. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and to recover the sight to the blind and to set liberty those who are oppressed. So Jesus himself was given this ministry to set captives free which many of us were, right? I was, man, I needed Jesus to set me free from my sin, from my, the way I was living. You think about these Old Testament saints. They were all looking forward to Jesus, to looking forward to that Messiah, the promise. And all those that put their heart and soul into that promise got to see it because after Jesus died, what happened? He descended into the lower parts of the earth. He gives, he gives them even a clue. In Matthew 12, he says this. He says, Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered, saying, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. He says, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the son of man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And so we, we learn about uh, Jesus having that sign being that 
well, what did he do in the, that, that part of the earth? And, and so we don't know. It's, it's kind of a mystery. It's this supernatural thing. We, we see a little bit of a clue in Luke 16 with Lazarus and the rich man. So Jesus tells a story about Lazarus um, who died, who was, who was poor and had sores. And, you know, the angels took him to this place called Abraham's bosom or paradise. And then we know that the rich man was in Hades in hell. There was, you know, there was this, there's these two chambers. He descended into those. And what Jesus did, he, he preached there. He gathered up all those Old Testament saints and took, blasted them off to heaven and unfortunately left. Um, the ones in Haiti are still there. But this is what he mean by he ascended and then descended and gave gifts to men. So God himself said, I, I'm not going to leave my church giftless. I'm going to give them gifts. And part of the gifting, part of what he did is he said... Um, well, here it is in verse 10. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. What are fill all things? What does that mean? How? Going back to verse eight, that therefore he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity cap and gave gifts to men. So part one of that is spiritual gifts that we talked about, those gifts of mercy, the gifts of prophecy. The other part, I'm gonna call this office gifts. Okay, so we have these office gifts. And he himself gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Apostles, we, are, we know are, we have the 12 apostles. Those were the foundational. Um, those are the ones that were ambassadors for the Lord. The, the word apostle means sent one. Um, and an apostle is those original 12 However, and I got in a debate with a guy for service, however, this, this apostleship was really left with that first century church. And, it, and, it's, and I'll explain why that is. But those are ambassador sent ones. But the gift of apostleship, still, you still have those giftings. But we don't call people apostles. I know of churches that have apostles and I'm telling you, they're cults. They're weird. They are. So if anyone calls himself an apostle, just, you know, love on that brother or sister and we'll keep it at that, okay? Prophets, spokesmen for God. We, another foundational gift that God gave us in the prophets. The prophets were the Old Testament prophets. The last prophet was John the Baptist uh, who came on the scene and God gave those prophets to speak forth the word of God. Now there is that gift of prophecy. Okay. There's the gift of prophecy. So there are two distinct things. There's foundational. We have these foundational offices of apostles and prophets. And then now we have evangelists, which preach the good news. That is what is on the scene today. And we have pastors, teachers, which are shepherds of the good word and shepherds of God people. And so here is um, what leads me to this. Um, Pastor Tony and I were talking about this. And, and, and there's a verse in Hebrews 1.1 that says this. 
God's authority. Here it is. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to fathers by the prophets. So in past times, has in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. So I hope that's clear that that apostle prophet office was wonderful and foundational. But now we, us in the church age, we are led and guided by these special gifts of evangelists, pastors, teachers. Anyone think of any evangelists that just come off the top of your mind that you just, Billy Graham, right? Amazing brother, just passed away, just went to be with the Lord. His son, Franklin Graham, now taking on that ministry. Uh, Greg Laurie, a wonderful evangelist. Um, a guy that is preaching the gospel strong. Pastors, teachers, you know, guys like Pastor Rob, who comes and, and shepherds the word and shepherds us as a flock. So those, those are um, the gifts of those offices. And we love that. And again, um, beware of pastor worship. Beware. It's, it's a dangerous thing in the church. We have one pastor that is Jesus. You know, he is the, as Peter said, he is the chief shepherd. And that is, that is the one thing that, um, that as you guys, as ministers, you need to guard your hearts. And I'm guilty of it. I, I, there are pastors I love and watch, and I love our pastor, and got to be careful not to do pastor worship. Um, here, let's look at number three. We are, we're going to close out and shortly. We are ministers with purpose and passion, actively being equipped to build up the body of Christ. Verse 12, for the equipping of the saints of the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. What does equipping mean or perfecting? It's this idea of to put right. And there's this big Greek word I can't pronounce. So if you guys can pronounce it, go for it. Was used to describe setting broken bones or mending nets. These four offices work together to produce strong, healed, mended, and whole and fit Christians. And so now we see how all these giftings work because we are now being equipped. And when you think of being put right or put back together, um, I would, Vicki Miller was here at first service. She has this ministry called Healing Hearts Ministry. Have you guys heard of that? It's a wonderful ministry where, where um, women come in broken, hurt, wounded, and Vicki walks with them one-on-one and then some in small groups and walks them through. She's being a minister. I think of um, ministries like um, the Sunshiners where they, they gather together and they minister to one another. I love that. Um, Pauline Donovan, she has a prayer ministry through that. I love our prayer app that we have with Jonathan Mink, Pastor John, and how um, he, is, he is ministering through these different resources. And these, but it's for perfecting and for helping and for equipping. You know, when I got, um, when, when the Lord, let's say this, when the Lord found me, he went after me. I felt like that fish. You know, I felt unworthy. I felt like, you know, I need to be, Lord, to come to you, I need to be cleaned up first, right? Does some, have, have you guys ever felt that way? Like you don't feel worthy to 
come before the Lord. But you know what I learned? I learned that God cleans his fish, right? If you just come to him, he'll clean the fish later. And I was one of those fish. I was bloody, I was broken, I was wounded. And I had some, some good brothers in the Lord help me and they just showed me Jesus and they, and they loved on me and, and equipped me. And then God, once they got a hold of me, God began to do this inner surgery, right? When you ever clean a fish, you got to pull out the guts, you got to clean it up, wash it with water. And he did that with me. Some of us are tricky fish. We're still caught in the net. We get stuck, right? You get stuck doing your, your thing. Um, some of us are swimming away, right? And, and we're hard to catch. I, I know fish like that. Being a pastor, you know fish like that. Oh, they're swimming away. They're, they're getting out of there. But no, every, let me say this, every member, every person here of the body, if you're in the body of Christ, you're a minister. And ministers, and it, it, it uses word saints. The saints for the work of the ministry. Now, I used to, I grew up Catholic. I used to think saints were the guys in the stained glass windows. You guys ever get that? See that? All the saints? I used to think that. But no, God calls us saints. You know what Peter calls us? A royal priesthood. In 1 Peter, he calls you a royal priesthood. And that is amazing. And what I've seen through churches and through the church age is that um, this professional clergy coming into the church. Okay, churches hiring professional clergy where the clergy does all the ministry. And you know what it creates? Consumer Christianity. It's the worst thing for the church. It's not what God intended. God did not intend us to sit in pews, get spiritually fat, and then go our merry way. We are to be ministers. We, the reason you're here today is you are to be equipped and sent out. And that is, that's how God designed the church. All of us, all of you are in full-time ministry. You know that? God has not called us to part-time ministry. Do we love God part-time or full-time? Does he love us part-time or full-time? Full-time, right. So we reciprocate that. We are called to full-time ministry. Paul understood this. Looking at this, Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Christ living in you as you live out and you touch others. Did you know that's, that God has disguised some of you um, as ministers to reach Tim, you were with a police officer, right? God disguised you as a minister because he loves policemen, right? Ed works in the movie business. He is a, he is a minister in that business. You're all ministers wherever God has placed you. He's maybe disguised you as a, as a fireman, a lawyer, a CEO, but you, wherever you go, you're God's minister's. Why? Because he loves people. And if you're lagging, if you're taking your time being a minister, well, God is patient. 
The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. He loves people, and he wants all to come to repentance. And if we're not moving forward, if we're not pressing forward, I love this, Philippians 3.14, Micah shared it earlier, and John, reaching forward, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I love that, that God is pressing forward, using all of us to minister to all these different people. Let me close with this. Ministers with purpose and passion. God is building his church with ministers like you and me, with a purpose to reach many, and with a passion to see transform lives and communities for Jesus. What we... This church moving into Dos Vientos, that mission, again, as Micah said, is not a building mission. It's a mission to build the body of Christ. And that is what God has called us to do. He's called us to be missionaries in our own city, in our own community. And so I just want you to feel and know that God has given you gifts He's made you unified, and he's commissioning you to ministry.